Hey everyone, I'm Alex Cantor. And I'm Lily Rosenthal. Welcome to our podcast, Hot Pastrami. We are coming to you from our favorite booth at Cantor's Deli here in LA. We're going to invite some of our friends to join us for a chat over some matzo ball soup and pastrami sandwiches. So join us for new episodes of Hot Pastrami every week on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you listen to podcasts. See you soon. Bye. Hey, I'm Ashley Lemieux, and I'm here to help you uncover the greatest power in your life. You! After going on my own healing journey, I realized I was looking for the wrong thing, a way out. But I didn't need a way out. What I really needed was a way in, to fully uncover who I am. Each week I'll be sharing tangible tools and inspiring interviews to help you create a clear pathway forward in areas of your life that you might feel stuck or overwhelmed in. I'm not here to be the expert on your life. You are. What I want is to help you believe that. So get ready to reframe your thoughts, reimagine your future, and reclaim your power. Are you ready? I am. One of my very favorite things that I love talking about and that I love talking with you guys about is business, is helping you figure out what is it that gets you excited to get up and get out of bed and go to work every day and really helping you figure out clarity around what your purpose is and making sure that you feel fulfilled in the work that you're doing. And I recently met Ashley Stahl and today she is our podcast guest and today's episode is called i am making a career change and i feel like this is a topic that is really important specifically right now as we're you know coming out of slash still in a pandemic that changed a lot of our jobs that changed a lot of how we make money and so we're all kind of now figuring out again well what do i want to be actually doing and Ashley Stahl is an amazing career expert who's going to help us answer some of these harder questions so that we can feel fulfilled in our lives through the work that we're doing. She is the host of U-Turn podcast and the author of the book U-Turn and that's U-Y-O-U. Ashley, I love your name first of all and second of all, thank you for chatting with us today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to talk to, to a fellow Ash who loves to help with clarity too. <laughs> the fellow Ash. I know. Well, that's something that we have in common. You know, Ashley really helps. You help women find clarity around doing what they love. And with me, I help women find clarity and freedom in uncovering their lives so that they're also doing what they love. But it's really cool how the work that we do really complements each other. So I'm really excited to talk about things. But to get us started, I would love to hear from you why you are so passionate about this specific work that you do. Like what got you into wanting to help people like do what they love doing? You know, it's I love that you're asking me this question because nobody's ever actually asked it to me in a podcast. Really? Yeah. It feels like maybe it could be obvious to ask why does somebody love what they're doing or what draws them to it, but nobody's ever asked me because I think we tend to just get straight into the goods of like, how can I help somebody figure themselves out? It's such a pressing, painful issue, but I, I help with it because I understand it on such a deep level. And I know that so many people have made their mess into their message. And for me, mm -hmm. 
I deeply understand what it's like to, it's one thing to not like your job or to even hate your job or to not like your business. But for most people who listen to this podcast, they're action takers. So it's not like they're going to stay stuck somewhere they don't like, but it's a whole different type of pain and hopelessness when you don't know where to go next. It's like you're a workhorse and you have all this energy and you don't like where you are, but nothing's coming forward of where to put your energy. And we can go into this paralysis. And if there's anything I've learned, it's that perfectionism is often a mask that we all put on out of fear of failure. And we just want things to be perfect. We don't want to make a mistake. And it's interesting knowing that that fear keeps so many people from figuring out what they want to do because Whenever I see someone who I would think is highly successful, whether it's emotional, financial, spiritual, whatever, I just think to myself, wow, this person has a really positive, healthy conversation going on in their head about failure. They're not making it mean anything about stopping or that what they're doing isn't right for them. And the biggest thing I learned in my own career was how important it is to hold your career lightly, to see it as a vehicle for self-expression, to see it as a place that you go to meet you where you are right now in time. And that's why I think all of these social constructs have really gotten us stuck of working our way up, you know, having a five-year plan, climbing the ladder, getting the degree. It's like 27% of people use their degree in their job. Most people don't. And most people who are job hunting, I think they're just clarity hunting. You know, they're just looking for that thing that feels right for them. And that was certainly me. And there is so much I learned on my way into my career in counterterrorism and on the sidelines of pursuing a career in national security in my young 20s. I learned how to job hunt. I had to. It was the key to my dream. And I learned that the best job or the best opportunities, they don't always go to the best candidate or the best entrepreneur. They go to the best communicator. They go to the best job seeker. They go to the person who knows how to hustle the right hustle. And it's not to say that I'm an advocate for hustling and burning yourself out, but it is to say that there's a very big difference between the skill of making opportunities happen for yourself and the mastery that it takes to be a great hire. And I, I learned that, you know, I had a lot of skills that the workforce needed. And it wasn't until I learned how to talk to people, I was willing to fail, fall on my face, say the wrong things, that I truly gave myself permission to find myself and enter into this portal that I think we all have to go into to figure out who we are and what career is best for us. Well, I mean, what you're doing right now is completely different, right? Than what, like you just mentioned the words counterterrorism and national security. Like what you're doing now was a big pivot. Something that happened to me, and I think that this happens to a lot of entrepreneurs and also people who just you know, are very highly motivated, want to uh, want their dream job, want to succeed, whatever success looks like for them. But I feel like a lot of times we start one thing and we feel like we're kind of chained there forever. Like that's become part of our identity. And at least for me, when I was building one of my first companies, even after I felt like it had sucked the life out of me, for a while I was like, but I, but like, this is, this is me. This is what I'm known for. This is, 
this is what I've worked to build and making that pivot can be, not can be, making the pivot is so incredibly hard. And I feel like a lot of times we don't really give ourselves permission to explore what else could be out there for us. Something that you talk about that I absolutely love that I think is so powerful is don't do what you love, do what you are. Can you tell us what that means? What I found early on in my career, there's this really interesting tool called the Google Ngram. And what it basically does is it lets you know how often a phrase appears in Google. And Google is so influenced by, it's such an influence on culture and it's such a reflection of where our culture is at based on what people are Googling and talking about. And so it would be fair to argue that the Google Ngram can pretty much measure how much a phrase or concept is embedded in our culture. And if you type in follow your passion, you'll see from the 1980s into the millennium, it skyrockets on the Google Ngram. And it just shows us how much that concept, it's like somebody said it, it resonated for someone and it took off. And I think it misdirected a lot of people because if there's anything that I've learned over the years, and I remember being in college and going to career services and not knowing what to major in and showing up at this, the office and the woman said, you know, do what you love and all the three worded directives, you know, follow your passion. But I felt like I was on a treadmill to nowhere. And I think a lot of the reason for that is because I'm really passionate about food, but I, I wouldn't be a great baker or chef, you know. I'm really into fashion. I love clothes and design, but I would not be a good designer. And so what I've learned is that there's a very big difference between being a happy consumer of something, whether it's fashion or politics, and a producer of that thing. And I think a lot of people don't understand that discrepancy between I love that. Like if you love sports, but you're not that athletic, Maybe you want to work in the sports world. You know, I'm not the most athletic, but point being, there's a big difference between having the skills to do that thing and not. And for me, there has been such a healing journey of giving myself permission to be who I am. And I think we live in a world where if somebody's laid off, if they're fired, if they're not good at their job, if they don't like their job, there's a lot of shame versus moving into celebration. Like, oh, wow, I celebrate the fact that I'm awful at math and I'm not good at details. And when you give yourself permission to not be great somewhere, you can start getting curious about where you are great. And, you know, back in the day, I used to kind of, roll my eyes at the thought that everybody has a special something because sometimes I would think like, I don't have a special something. I'm just like everybody. And after working with hundreds of people and turning to myself and spirituality and doing my own work on my belief system, I've really learned how true it is that we are all snowflakes. We all have something and life is really about figuring out what that thing is and upping the volume on it. And in my career, I really learned that there's two key dynamics because when I got into counterterrorism, essentially what happened was I knew I was good at words and I thought, oh, I can write intelligence reports. And I was passionate about politics. You know, I grew up in a house where the news was always on. And so I thought, you know, I'm going to change the world with this. And my family was on the East Coast during 9-11. I, I had the desire to make an impact, but I didn't really understand what my skills were to contribute. And I think that's where people stop. They don't ask that question. They don't get deeper on that question. And 
for me, I pers- I gave everything to counterterrorism. I learned the languages. I got the degrees. I went to the graduate programs. I did the things. Graduated during the recession. Couldn't get a job. Took what I could get. You know, bought into the belief that I had to just get my foot in the door, which really isn't true. You know, get your foot in the right door. Don't pigeonhole yourself in a job you don't want. You know, and ended up contacting my university and saying do you have a list of alumni who have moved to Washington, D.C.? I don't know what inspired me to do that, but I ended up working my way through a list of 2,000 people over four months, five months, cold calling, cold emailing, and about 80 of them ended up helping me get my job offers in Washington, D.C. Wow. Yeah, people are kind, you know, and Life is a numbers game. Like it's on you to do the numbers, to have enough. If you have enough conversations, if you knock on enough doors, you're going to get a yes at some point. And so for me, I made my way into the Pentagon. I thought it was my dream. And meanwhile, on the periphery of going towards the Pentagon, I learned how to get a job. And I fell on my face. I said the wrong things. I persevered. I embarrassed myself. And then I got really good at talking about myself. And it wasn't about being authentic, inauthentic. It wasn't about memorizing a bunch of lines. It was realizing people don't respond well if I ask them to pass my resume along. People don't respond as well when I use the word, look, the phrase looking for a job. Just realizing little things I was saying that were off-putting for people. I stopped doing it ended up getting multiple job offers. And meanwhile, every friend I have is asking me, how do I get a job? Because it's the recession and they're so smart and talented and unemployed. And I ended up helping people and they would tell me, you should be a career expert. And I just remember thinking like, what does that even mean? Like a career coach. But what I learned during that time is when you follow what feels right, So for me, it wasn't even like I knew national security was my end game, but something about pursuing it in that moment of time felt right. And when I trusted that, when I trusted myself to follow that anyway, and to not see it as a loss because I wasn't sure if it was my forever, I found so much opportunity on the periphery. And I think that's what happens when you follow your intuition is you follow what feels good, And there's a lot of purpose in front of you or on the periphery. And on the periphery of my way into the Pentagon, I learned how to get job offers. I learned how to write resumes. I learned how to help people talk to people. I learned how to talk to people. And as a result, I now have a book, a podcast, a business, and all of these things. And in reflection, you know, kind of going back to your question of don't do what you love, do what you are. I came home and I made what I call my book, a YOU turn, a U turn to reconnect to yourself and really face that moment when you realize something isn't working. And I learned that there's really two dynamics in your career there's the what, that's what you do, that's what skill set you're using. And in my book, I talk about the 10 core skill sets I think exist in the workforce, and everybody owes it to themselves to know which one they have. And happy to go through those. But The second dynamic is the how. Given that 50% of people leave their job because they don't like their boss, what we know is that how your job looks, how your business looks, matters just as much as what your job is or what your business is offering. And I think the what is about your skills, your gifts, 
your responsibilities, how you're harnessing your energy throughout the day. And the how is about your values, the non-negotiable ingredients by which you live your life. And I think there's a lot of misunderstanding around what are my core values? Like I asked one guy and he said adventure. And for him, that meant skydiving. And then another woman said adventure. And for her, that meant trying new restaurants. So there's a lot that goes into figuring out who you are. And when you give yourself that time to do that, it becomes quite obvious where you make sense in the workforce or where you make sense in your business, because you know what you're great at, you know what people see your greatness in. And instead of pushing a river and trying to be someone else, you give yourself permission to be who you are. So for those who are listening right now and they're they're in this place where they're in this job and it's just sucking the life out of them and they just know that it's not the end game. They know that there's something else they want to be doing. They might not even know what it is they want to be doing, but they just know that what they're doing right now isn't it. What is the first thing that you would tell those people to do? I would say if you're feeling super disconnected, you're not going to find answers. So the first thing is to get reconnected. Like if you feel a little bit dead inside every day, like you can't feel dead from nine to five and then like a weird aliveness switch goes on at 501, you know? (laughs) And so I would say the first order of business is to grab a piece of paper, write down people, places, things that make you feel yourself. And In my case, that's the ocean. Like, I love the ocean. I put my feet in the sand and something inside of me comes back. Another thing is a couple of girlfriends. I have a lot of good girlfriends, but there's a couple of them in particular where when I see them, I'm me. And even more me than I could ever be. And so I really make a point to have conversations or see those friends. And then I used to live in Paris a, a lot of the time. And now I'm in Los Angeles. But whenever, you know, obviously with COVID travel is more challenging, but I used to just go back to Paris when I had the opportunity and space in my schedule. And it's not to say everybody needs to go to Paris. It could be like a hike down the street from your house, but that was a very special place for me. I'm bilingual, I'm French. And there was something in my roots and in my cells that when I was there, every time the plane would land, tears would come to my eyes. And I felt at home. And when I spent the week there, I would come back feeling so much more myself. And when you feel yourself, it feels good. And you become viscerally aware of what doesn't feel good. And I think in, you know, for the person who's stuck, it becomes really tempting to talk about how confused you are or to focus on all the things you don't know. But I think that's kind of a coping mechanism. Like we all have things that we obsess over or energetic, emotional places we go to kind of, like for for me, I used to go into anxiety and I still do sometimes. And anxiety was like a full-time job. It totally unsubscribed me from whatever the situation was because anxiety is really takes a lot of your attention. So whatever I was dealing with, I didn't even have to deal with it anymore because I was too busy with my anxiety. For some people it's anger, they just get angry and then they're busy kind of with their feathers ruffled. And for other people it's confusion or overwhelm, that's where they go to opt out of what they have to handle. And so I would say really learning to regulate yourself, 
really learning what is that place you go. And instead of focusing on what you don't know, start focusing on what you do know. I like, I call it the truth test, write down what you know. So maybe if you don't like your job, you can say, I don't like writing reports every day. I don't like filing. Um, I don't like my coworkers. Um, I do like my hours, you know, write down the truth. I like my hours. I like the location of the office. Like just start to look at what you know, because more often than not, what you know lends itself to more truth anyway. I feel like we're so aligned on so many things. I'm like, oh, some of this stuff I, I talk about and I, and I just believe so deeply in my core. And, and one of those things is we focus in so much on what we don't know or what we don't want that then when we think about what we do want, sometimes it's harder to come out with that answer because we know we don't want this job anymore. We know we don't want this boss anymore. We know we don't want X, Y, and Z, but then presented with, well, what do you want? I think that's where a lot of us get really stuck because we haven't really allowed ourselves to even explore that because we don't know how to make it happen. So something that you talk about in your book is learning how to befriend your blocks. Yeah. I would love um, for you to go a little bit more into that. What is what does that mean? What does that mean and how and how will it benefit everyone listening? You know, I, I, I really tried as I was writing my book because being that I wrote a book called U-Turn, Get Unstuck, Discover Your Direction, Design Your Dream Career. It's like there were so many painful opportunities for me to go to, down a rabbit hole of car and driving references to be like, that's a stop sign and make a U-turn. <laughs> like I just could have gone off the deep end with it. So one of the ways that I kind of referenced this in the book was a lot of the times when we're driving, it feels like there's muck on our windshield. And that muck is our beliefs and our limitations and our coping mechanisms and what we think is possible for us. And I think we come into the world through our caretakers who have their own inner thermostat of what they believe is possible for them. And then, and I know you talk a lot about beliefs in your work, which is so powerful. And I think it's on us to realize what temperature we're set at. And if we want to believe the beliefs that we're operating out of and, you know, at any given moment, someone's doing what you want to do and they're no more or less qualified than you are. And they just felt like they could go do it for some reason. And so I think it's really on us to ask ourselves, why aren't we where we want to be? And I love people writing down on a piece of paper. I'm not where I want to be because, and it's like, just fill in the blank. Like, what is the story you're operating from? Sometimes it's very real. Sometimes you need to get your JD law degree in order to practice as an attorney. That's very real. But a lot of the times it's not like the things we're telling ourselves 99% of the time. It's like, I'm not where I want to be because I need more experience or because I didn't go to the right school and I'm, it's not a good enough school or, you know, because I don't live in an area where those opportunities exist or because it doesn't pay me well or whatever it is. It's all limitations. And I think forgiving yourself and realizing that these limits are here to serve us. I mean, in a way playing big hurts. It's, it's kind of painful to put yourself out there sometimes, you know, P happiness is painful sometimes. Like 
in order to be happy, you need to unravel on so many levels so often. Like we are changing, moving, growing organisms, purpose moves, purpose grows, we change. And that requires a level of self-honesty and unraveling on, I don't wanna say an ongoing basis, but I would say every three, four, five years, you better believe if you're committed to your happiness, you need to deeply look at your life and probably unravel something. And I think that a lot of that has to do with what you believe about the world. And in a way, when you believe something new, when you truly pop a belief like a balloon that's been sitting inside of you, it's like this old version of you kind of dies and this new way of seeing the world emerges if it's a fundamental belief that you've been operating out of. And grief comes yeah, there's a grieving process when you when that bubble when that balloon pops and you start experiencing the world differently and you start seeing yourself differently and you're like having to start mourning what once was, but that also makes room for what is and what can be, but but I think that the grief that can come from that can feel really paralyzing and it's really hard to commit yourself to to be okay with walking through that and so then oftentimes what happens is we stay a little bit stuck for a little bit too long and something that I say often about being stuck is that you know I believe that being stuck really has just meant that you've stopped moving forward for a moment like you just you just have stopped moving forward and it's okay but that forward momentum it can come again. And there's times in our lives where it's almost like the whole universe is pushing for us to go, to go figure out, you know, where we need to be next so that we can feel fulfilled and, and feel like we're living in our purpose that way. I, I really want to talk about this because I think this is really cool. The last chapter of your book talks about knowing your primary and secondary core motivators. Yeah. What is a core motivator? Okay, so the core mate motivator concept, I would say knowing your core skill set, which I talk about in chapter two, to me, that feels like the most like earth shattering thing because when you know your skills, you can kind of pick your job or your services as an entrepreneur. But knowing what motivates you is pretty significant as well. And I think everyone is motivated by something different. And I think one of the most confusing things is that we tend to assume other people are motivated by what motivates us. And that's just not the case. Some people want more money. Other people want more time. Other people want more meaning or more freedom. And for me, I left the workforce and started my business as I was a manager and I was running a threat team in downtown LA after I left the Pentagon. And I had one analyst who, he wasn't motivated by money. You know, he was motivated by freedom. He wanted flexibility. He wanted, I mean, this was way pre-COVID where working from home was normal. And, and when I gave him that, I got the best work I could possibly get from him. And I think there's a lot of managers and people out there that aren't giving themselves permission to be motivated by what motivates them. And I came up with 10 core motivators that I think exist in the workforce and happy to go through any of those if that's helpful. 
Yeah, let's hear. I would love to hear what those are. Yeah. So the first one, I, I kind of came up with the, is it an acronym? Motivates? Is, yes. I, yeah. Oh, so, yeah. Everyone loves a good acronym. I know. I myself have a little bit of brain fog these days. So an acronym just gets me through it. <laughs> but <laughs> the first one, M, is for meaning. That's doing work that aligns with a spiritual purpose. So that could look like aligning your core skill set and your core values with a personal sense of mission. And one thing I read about a lot is really checking in with where you're coming from, with what motivates you, because we could be in wounding where we'll say, I'm doing this because it's going to make my life mean something. Like the truth mm -hmm. of the matter is yeah. you're going to mean something with or without this yeah. job. You don't need a job to mean something. The inspiration approach is I feel called to do this because it lights me up and it means a lot to me. So I think understanding where you're coming from. Are you coming from wounding? Are you coming from inspiration? The second is optimal health. So there's people out there that they want their career to directly support their health um, and their physical well-being. So that could look like something that's easy on your body if you're not well, if you have an illness. That could look like something that challenges your body to be better, maybe a fitness trainer. Obviously, the wounding on that one could be, I'm going to do this so I look good. But right. inspiration is like, this helps me feel good. And I love that I spend my time doing something that helps me feel well. The third motivator is time. People that want time, freedom, flexibility. This is definitely a motivator for me. I love the people I love and I love my work. And I just want my time to be on my terms. That's something so deep inside of me. And it gives, this is the kind of person where they need a sense of control over how they're spending their time. And that's two, me. Yeah. <laughs> you and me, but it's an Ashley thing, you know? Yeah. <laughs> we just need our time and need clarity. And, um, and it's funny, your last name is French too, by the way. I was noticing. I know. The two Ashleys that are French who just need free time. We're just really you know? connecting. Yeah. <laughs> and then number four is impact. So it's different than meaning. Meaning is about you. It's about what you feel is meaningful. Impact is about the world. It's about other people or things being better because of you. So impact is where you're committed to a cause or a mission. That's what motivates you. If what you're doing in your nine to five or from your business, if you're an entrepreneur, is making the world better in some little corner in some important way, that's enough. Uh, number five is visibility. This one can be kind of wounded if it's not checked. It's work that gives you prestige or recognition. And I do think there's people out there that want visibility as means for impact. I think like Oprah, there's different leaders out there where I can tell that there's something very altruistic in what they're doing. And that's really inspiring. And it's a career that obviously grants you with validation. So the wounding there is I'm doing this because it makes me feel important. Mm -hmm. And then the inspiration is I'm doing this because I have a message that I really need people to see me to know. And the number six is accomplishment. So this is actually an interesting one. And I think a lot of people have this one more than they realize. It's the work that gives you a sense of completion. And this is really good for people who just like to cross things off. Like they like to feel productive. They like to be in the logistics, getting things done. They get the dopamine hit that comes with achievement. These are the people that keep rewriting to-do lists and just so they could cross the thing off. Like I have some of that, but it's not my core motivator. And number seven is training. I love this one. I love being around these people. 
it's people who are motivated by growth, learning, and expansion. So what's going to pull them in is a challenge, an opportunity to learn, some some sort of opportunity that kind of tacitly gives them space to grow in what they know um, through challenges or adventures or content. You know, maybe they get some sort of schooling or training through it. Number eight is ease. This is this one I have a lot of respect for and people don't give themselves permission to respect, but there is a population of people that don't want to be challenged, don't want to find a sense of purpose. They feel a joy in the simple joy and they feel purpose in the simplicity of the comfort of having a job where it's like, this is super easy. This isn't strenuous and I know how to do it. And that is- I, I honestly respect that so much because- just thinking about that for myself gives me anxiety because I do not operate out of that level and like people allowing themselves to just be. Yeah. That's my, it's mind blowing to me that there's people who exist. I'm like, share, like give me some of what you have. Yeah. The two Ashleys, we're going to be having like a, a cartoon over here where we're like having a meltdown, chasing these people down the street. How are you so simple? You know what? We live in a complicated world. I think simplicity is so hard to achieve. It's so easy so to hard. complicated, mm-hmm. you know? Number nine is spending. People love, make these people love making money, saving it, keeping it, managing it. They value the simplicity of a career that pays them well. And I'm actually fascinated by this audience because... I think a lot of people have shame around like loving to just make money and in personal development, we're kind of told like, it's not just about the money. It's about what the money can give you. And I do think that sometimes it is just like people love the ease that comes in their life when they can afford things and save and they love managing money and doing things with money. And that's totally okay. So my public service announcement on this podcast today is anybody who just wants to make money and it's a really clean energy around it. It's not from this place where you lost it when you were a kid and you're, you know, going through some trauma with it. But if you just are in clean energy, like I love making money and my job is good and, and that's that easy, that's great. And then number 10 is self-expression. So between time and self-expression, I think you have the same ones. Um, work that grants you the freedom to channel your emotions and ideas to come to life and This is a career that leads with creating through your feelings and your ideas. Yeah, that's me (laughs) for sure. Yeah. All the feelings all the time. (laughs) We need time because we feel a lot and we're going to go hide somewhere and feel it. And I need to bring it outside of my body into the world so that it can be a self-expression. Oh my gosh, this is so cool. So you came up with these core motivators and to me that makes so much sense. And it, and it helps, what a what a real tangible tool to be able to see those laid out and to, as someone who's striving to find fulfillment through their career, being able to say, hey, wait, like, this is me, this is me. Oh my gosh, how I feel and I'm thinking I, I fit into this and now what would serve me the best to move forward with? I love it, Ashley. You provide such tangible tools for so many people. Um, before we end, I always, I like asking this question and it's very open-ended, but is there one final thing that you want to tell um, those who are listening, who are really seeking for something new in their lives? Yeah, I would say my message is who you are always wins. 
So what you know, usually you already know what's true for you and we spend all day trying not to know it, but you know what you know and who you are is who you are. And if it's not working with where you are, you either get to rip the Band-Aid in a year and cry then or in two years and cry then, or you get to rip the Band-Aid now, cry now, grieve it now and be moving forward in your life. So I think that's just a, a, an inevitable truth that I live by. Where can everyone come find you? Because listen, you guys, her book, U-Turn, is available now wherever books are sold. I highly recommend it. If, if you enjoyed this conversation on any level, you're going to be obsessed with her book. Where can everyone come and find you? Thank you for asking. Well, this book has been an, a huge emptying, and I know that you get it, where you just like empty every word and thought and piece of research in your head and heart. <laughs> and so anybody who's ordering it, it's at uturnbook.com. It's Y-O-U-T-U-R-N book.com or just everywhere where books are sold. And I'm on U-Turn Podcast. That's my favorite place. And I'm so excited to have you on and to talk about your book on there. And that show is the place I go to talk about love and work and mindset. And the guests are pretty much my free coaching hour to teach me how to elevate in everybody else. And I'm just so grateful for that show. So I'd love to have anybody come join me over there. Thanks so much, Ashley, for everything that you've taught us today. And for all of you who are listening, the Ashleys are rooting for you to make your U-turn. We both know how hard it is. We've both done it. And so we hope that through this conversation that you are able to, to really feel and see that it's possible for you too. We'll see you next week. Thank you for joining me on today's episode of the I Am Podcast. Remember to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. I love hearing from you online. So if there's something that really resonated with you, come and let me know. Share a screenshot of this podcast and tag me on Instagram at Ashley K. Lemieux so I can see what's impacting you the most. It might even help your friends. And remember, every time you ask yourself, am I really strong enough to do this? The answer is, I am. See you next week. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.